Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we're going to talk to Alyssa Carson, a young lady who is very likely to be one of the first people on the surface of Mars. Let's get started. On mic today, we have Alyssa Carson. How are you doing this fine day? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, You are, uh, is it technically correct to call you an astronaut? Well, I technically haven't, like, passed the Carmen line, which is, like, the official qualification, so I guess just in training for right now. You're a heck of a lot closer than I am, so I'm, I'm going to look at you that way, if that's all right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you're looking to be uh, in the first group of people to land on Mars. That's one of your dreams. It has been for quite a while. Yes, that's definitely one of my ultimate goals. Um, I definitely have always been interested in Mars, and I definitely think that's our next big step in terms of space exploration. That would be fantastic. So when it comes to that kind of a mission, how is do you have a, an idea of what that would look like? Because I've heard a couple different theories. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, definitely they've been tossing around all sorts of ideas of what the mission to Mars uh, could look like in the next few years. Um, right now, I think they have kind of settled right now on the early 2030s, possibly being the time of when we uh, get to go to Mars, um, and we'll be using the SLS, SLS rocket, the Orion capsule. Um, it's going to be a decently long mission right now with current technology. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's probably going to be like two and a half years total in terms of like going there, staying, and coming back. So pretty hefty mission now i mean there are times that i heard that the trip would be a one-way trip so if they've managed a return mission uh they they, they've got a, a theory on that uh yeah so basically the idea of like a return mission has just kind of been bounced around between like different companies and like different people with the thought of going to mars a lot of the companies who initially wanted the one-way missions have kind of slowly like faded a bit um however like organization or governmental organizations like nasa um you know you'll hear them say that they don't necessarily do one-way missions um that there are a lot more i guess like their morals or whatever are to bring people back Mm -hmm. um so right now with nasa's plan of going to mars they have a return um and and like settled right now but um definitely i mean other companies could have other organi- um other ideas or other plans to go to mars um just gotta see who goes first i guess cool cool so when you came to be your plan your vision how did you come to this conclusion because i know you were very young when when you started getting this goal Yeah, I mean, definitely when I was young, um, I went and I was asking my dad all these questions about space and about Mars. Um, And I mean, no one in my family necessarily has a space or science background. It's not like we talked about Mars often in the household. So it was pretty bizarre for me as like a little girl to come asking about Mars. Um, I mean, our best guess is that it would have been an episode of the Backyardigans, uh, which was a cartoon on Nickelodeon that could have sparked my interest. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we even suspect that is because I had a poster of that episode actually hung up in my bedroom. Um, And so that might have started it, but um, that kind of first got me interested in Mars. But the more I've learned about it and um, the more I've worked towards it, the more interested I've become. Fair enough. 
a lot of the guests I have on this show come from an artistic background in TV, film, and, and books. And, and we like to talk a lot about how a, a little bit of fiction and, and the fact that you use the Nickelodeon cartoon is perfect for me. That, that sometimes the, the littlest things that just are supposed to put a smile on your face can spark, in your case, and, and like I said, you don't know necessarily that's what it was, but that could have sparked literally a lifetime of ambition. And not just in your case, but in the case of any children wanting to follow you. Right, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't really remember, like, what about that actually sparks my interest, but definitely, I mean, if that is directly what happened, you know, maybe not seeing that cartoon, I would have been interested in something else. Sure. Um, because, like I said, space wasn't anything we talked about around the house, um, so I don't really see where I would have gotten, like, a large exposure uh, to talking about space at a young age, so it's it's pretty crazy. It really is. Uh, and you've already started to found your own cause to inspire other people and give them the tools and resources they need. It's called the Blueberry Foundation. Yes. Um, so I started the Blueberry Foundation originally because um, I was going to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama, and the space camp um, was super beneficial for me. You know, I was learning all these things about space, meeting like-minded people. It was really helping me figure out what I would want to do in space, what kind of job I would want to have. So I wanted other kids to kind of have that opportunity as well um, to be able to go to space camp and maybe figure it out for themselves. Um, so the foundation has kind of shifted a little bit. Um, we have recently been, I guess, more so helping um, other, I guess, groups get to space camp, um, mainly in other countries. So for example, uh, the last two was helping out a group in Argentina send 50 kids to space camp. And we also worked with a group in Mexico and sending like two groups of 20 or something like that of kids to space camp. And so, um, you know, even getting kids in other countries the opportunities to be able to see what a space career could look like or see what opportunities they have. That is a really neat angle because uh, you know, we only a handful of countries on the planet really have a solid space program. And yet we have a world of people who could all potentially be a, a benefit to us out in out in space. And how is it how easily can we reach out to these people? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I think that a lot of times when people are interested in space, they get almost caught up or like hooked on NASA, um, which I mean, definitely NASA has done a lot of amazing things for the space industry. Um, and, you know, we're continuing to, um, you know, do new things and go to new places. Um, however, I do think that the other space agencies, um, you know, in their own way, they're solving their own problems, they're discovering their own things. And so I think a big part of it has been, you know, let's say you live in Europe, you know, you may be really focused on NASA, but being able to appreciate and realize the opportunities that you have with ESA. And, um, you know, there's ESA astronauts there, you know, you could work on satellites, you could go to the International Space Station, you could, you know, work on, um, be like a rocket engineer. There's so many different areas that you could um, still go into. And so I think a lot of it is um, just being, um, just getting people to really appreciate like what their country is, ha what their country has or what organizations are going on and um, yeah, supporting those because definitely um, right now in the space industry, it's a lot of partnership going on and um, it has been for the past few years. Australia definitely has the acronym market cornered on that, I would say. <laughs> on partnership? Yes. Well, uh, just on, on naming conventions. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, cause, and another thing is that it's a lot of the countries, not the least of which being our own, are cutting back on space exploration funding. So the more we pool resources, uh, the less we have to compete with each other, and the more we can work cooperatively, which hopefully could be the goal in the long run. I mean, it would be a shame if we got out into space and we were all still fighting each other over stupid stuff. Right, exactly. And I mean, a lot recently since the shuttle program ended, I mean, the U.S. has been sending up all of their astronauts through Russia and like Russian uh, rockets. Um, So that's our method to space at the moment and the way we've been doing that for um, the past several years. And that's been a great partnership that we've done so far. Um, And there's even been ideas bounced around that for the missions to Mars, we'll have it be more of an international mission. You know, the idea of maybe having a NASA astronaut, ESA astronaut, a Russian an astronaut or whatever the mix may be towards the world going to Mars and we're actually you know accomplishing something like Earth has made it to Mars and we're actually doing this big thing of going to um, another planet. I was looking at your LinkedIn profile earlier and in your resume and I, I, I hope you don't think I was just like trying to get granular and put you under the fire. I just just here to have a friendly chat about space because I'm a, a geek too but um when it comes to the training you've had, space camp multiple times, knowing four different languages, uh, how many degrees you, you're you're working on right now, it's what else is is under the hood there? What do you do to decompress? Because you must be under a lot of pressure. How yeah, how do you, I mean, what I've seen? <laughs> I do think that it looks, I guess, pretty crazy. <laughs> um, I do feel, I mean, definitely right now in the stage that I'm at currently. Um, I mean, I'm in my first year of college. I'm definitely uh, right now. I feel kind of just like a normal college student. Um, I'm trying, or this past year, I've been trying to kind of um, put off a little bit of like any sort of extras because I was moving states. I was, you know, new school, new environment. I was really wanting to like focus and get myself settled a bit. Um, so that's been uh, pretty exciting. So I guess I feel just kind of like a normal college student. Um, but I mean, I definitely growing up, um, I feel like I definitely lived, I guess, like a normal childhood. Um, I feel like I did everything that my friends did. Um, you know, I watch Netflix pretty often. I'm a huge Netflix person. So I do think that I have um, time to decompress, you know, whenever it's needed. Fantastic. Because, you know, when it comes to people following up behind you, kids just now getting their hands on this, I mean, a well-balanced life is important and, and they can see that no, no matter where they're starting from, they can still, like you said, uh, follow your dreams. I, I believe that was the quote you used on the w- website. Yeah. So, when it comes to the, when it comes to your dream, let's say you get the Mars. What's next? Yeah. So I mean, currently, what I'm doing right now is um, studying astrobiology. So that would be. Um, putting me in a position to possibly be like one of the mission specialists or research scientists on the mission. Um, So that's kind of the area that I would want to be a part of on the mission. So let's say we get to Mars, then my main goal would be um, just to start learning things about Mars. So the main things that we're interested in studying is uh, learn more about the soil on Mars, um, learning a lot more about its composition, uh, possible resources on Mars, um, also learning more about the water that's on Mars, looking for any signs of bacteria 
bacterial life that could possibly be there. Uh, we found water, liquid water, ice, steam. So there's a lot of possibility there. Um, also learning more about the atmosphere, seeing how that can be changed for the possibility of us eventually living on Mars, terraforming it in any way, if that's even possible. Um, definitely, I mean, we have theories, but getting to Mars and actually getting to do the science there is definitely um, the next step in learning all of these things to see, um, you know, what what is with Mars and what possibilities do we have um, with the planet? So terraforming, I've always, that fascinates me to know and to think that we could actually completely transform a planet. And I mean, if there's nothing on there now, there's certainly no harm in us making it more suitable for us. Right, yeah. I mean, Mars right now is, um, I mean, it's pretty interesting because Mars is kind of just like a frozen Earth, I guess. You know, it's um, further from the sun, so it's a lot colder, um, but we would almost heat up the planet in a sense of getting uh, all that ice um, to melt into liquid water. And with all that water coming up from the surface, it would almost be like oceans and lakes and rivers and such that we're used to. Um, the biggest thing would just be uh, thickening up the atmosphere to be to be able to like hold in oxygen and different uh, gases. But once we're able to hold in those gases, then um, it would almost develop the same way that Earth developed in the early, day, uh, early ages. We would just be able to do it um, you know, without it taking millions of years, slightly faster than that. But uh, <laughs> it's really interesting that, like, the basis is there. Um, so it would be really interesting if we were able to actually take that and, you know, create a new planet out of it. And, I mean, it's not just uh, not just transforming the, the atmosphere, but eventually crops, eventually uh, flora, fauna, I mean, you would not just need a botanist, but a zoologist and medical doctors. I mean, the, the biological needs are going to be huge once we finally get our foothold there. Right, yeah. And I think that's something that's super interesting about the space program is that, you know, there's definitely, we definitely need, you know, the main people that you think of, the engineers, the rocket scientists, all those. But there's so many, I guess, other professions that come into play. And I definitely feel that almost every profession um, in some way can play a part in the space industry. You know, I like to use the example, you know, if you're interested in food, but also interested in space, there's someone that has to sit there and package the food that is sent to space. There's someone ha who has to study food fatigue, making sure that astronauts aren't getting tired of eating the same thing over, making planning their meals, making sure everything's set in stone. And that's not necessarily a career you would immediately think of when you think about someone who works for the space industry. And so um, there's loads of different professions that um, have a part in it. Indeed. And when you send the first crew complement up there, there's limited spacing on whatever vessel they're sending up there. So the more talents you have, the more useful you'll be. They can't afford to send one person for every job, unfortunately. Right, right. And so for, I mean, right now, looking towards the missions, we're looking at having obviously like a pilot, a commander, you know, um, someone with those backgrounds, we're also going to need, um, you know, one or two people with um, more science research backgrounds to be able to do the experiments, we're going to need um, someone with a more medical background for anything that could go wrong. Um, but at the same time, everyone is trained amongst everything. So even though I may be a scientist, I should know how to fly the mm -hmm. 
whatever craft we're flying. Um, or I should know basic medical procedures in case something happens because it's like, what if the doctor's injured? Then what do mm-hmm. you do? So everyone is kind of cross-trained in that sense to be able to um, make the most of everyone we have. Yeah. I, I, it's to think of what kind of training you'd need on, I mean, if they just picked six, seven people, I don't know what the number would be, but that's, it's probably not too far off from that for the first round. Yeah, definitely. I mean, typically right now, astronauts, once you're initially um, selected into the astronaut selection process, typically you go through one and a half to two years of kind of just like basic training um, that they kind of expect all astronauts to have. So, but that's still a ways off. And in the meantime, you're doing pretty well just getting your word out there, sharing your vision for the future. And I can't imagine how many chats like this you must have on a weekly basis because um, I've get, you're such an interesting person. You've got such a, a great background. Uh, what's it like just kind of anticipating and waiting for the day when you're uh, they're slit selecting this crew? Yeah, I mean, definitely it is um, super exciting to be working towards this. Um, I mean, definitely the mission to Mars, like you said, it's still pretty far off. Um, however, I have almost kind of in a way developed a um, most like another dream of, um, you know, being able to speak and inspire and teach a bit, um, which I kind of got more into speaking because of when the space shuttle program ended in 2011, uh, there was, I just saw so much misconception with the space industry. A lot of people were under the impression that the space program was closed, that there weren't astronauts anymore, that we were done with space travel for good, um, without thinking of like what the future of space would look like. And so, I mean, I even had, you know, like family members ask like, oh, what does Alyssa want to do now that there's not astronauts anymore? And so there was just such a gap, I guess, in just like public knowledge of what was going on in the space industry. And I still feel like there is, um, you know, space is something that's super intimidating to most people. And that I think it's super important to be able to like bring it down a little bit and um, just make it feel a lot more realistic and like close to home. Mm -hmm. Um, And just being able to teach people about what's going on right now. Um, you know, what the plans are for the mission to Mars, that it is something that is realistic in the next few years. You know, we've had the first core stage of the SLS rocket has already been built. The Orion capsule has been tested over the past few years. There's a lot of stuff uh, in place right now to get us to Mars. Cool. And I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm a space junkie myself, not nearly to the extent you are, obviously, but (laughs) Um, like I'm trying to track the, the mission to Mars, uh, the Mars generation people. Do you keep in contact with each other? Do you, uh, have training or sessions where you might be swapping notes? Is that a community or is it a rivalry? It's a little bit of both. Um, I mean, I definitely think that it is a community. I mean, I've definitely met some amazing people, um, you know, whether they are already working in some kind of profession in the space industry or even, you know, meeting other people who are aspiring to be an astronaut. Maybe they want to be on one of the missions to Mars, whatever it might be. Um, I definitely do um, see it as such a community of people who sharing their interest for space. And, um, you know, it takes tens of thousands of people to send one astronaut to space. And so I think it's always exciting and encouraging to see more people 
being interested in space and wanting to go to space. And, um, you know, obviously I know that with the selection process, it's definitely not an easy process to go through. Um, but I also know that like the right astronauts are going to be chosen in the end. Um, and so what happens happens. And, um, either way, I'm looking forward to the space program, making the right step in going to Mars and continuing to explore. So very cool. And, thinking you guys would eventually be part of space history when you look back at space history what are your favorite moments what 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 kind of got your uh brain wanting to say this is definitely what i want to do this this is what i want to be a part of was there a certain event a certain artifact um, i saw you going to museums on occasion yeah i mean definitely learning all about space history was super inspiring um, and I mean, I definitely started uh, learning a little bit about space history when I started going to space camp um, and just seeing, you know, what all has happened. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of the time, the rapidness the space program has had in the past is pretty inspiring about how much we've gotten done. Um, for example, like the Gemini program only lasted one year. And it's crazy how much actually got done and how many, um, you know, missions we're able to take, how many people we sent to space in that time, um, you know, because we had that goal of getting to the moon and we wanted that step to get there. Um, so I think that's super inspiring. And then also um, all the astronauts have been, you know, all the stuff that they've done is pretty incredible and all the research we've done so far. But I think another cool thing about space history is that we're able to see, like, the goofy side of things or, you know, give it such like kind of like how astronauts are just people too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, like the stories of like Gus Grissom bringing like a tuna sandwich in his pocket on like the mission, you know, just silly things like that and learning um, about, you know, them bringing like golf balls to the moon and like playing golf and uh, them goofing around a lot of the time, you know, they're all just people too. And we're all, um, you know, working towards these giant goals and, you know, we actually accomplish them. We do. And it's, it's amazing. In some ways, it seems like it's an impossible goal. And then when you look at it another way, it's it's perfectly manageable as long as you put the right resources into it. Like I, I remember and forgive me if I have my history wrong, but it's like when you, somebody calculated the cost of getting us to the moon and what the Apollo program spent between the, the years of 65 and 69 and it was some absurd number and yet they said and at the same time that's the exact same amount of money that the united states spent on cosmetics in the same time so it's like okay it's a lot of money but it's really not it's just how you want to spend it it's just how, where you want to put that effort yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's all about perspective. And I think um, that's a big thing in the space program, because I feel like a lot of people look at the space program as we're putting money in it. I think a lot of people visualize it as us putting money in a rocket, sending it to space and never seeing it again. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like that's almost like the impression that the space industry gets. Um but I do um, think that's like important to realize like the amount of jobs actually come out from the space industry because of the amount of people it takes. Also, the amount of technology that has been built for the space industry that is now used in everyday life. You know, like Velcro, you know, it may have been invented for the space program, but now we use it all over the place. Or even a lot of the technologies in cell phones, you know, they were originally invented for the space program and now everyone carries them in their pocket. Exactly. Uh power tools, the, the modern diaper, uh, these are all products of the space program in one shape or form. Uh, 
we're coming up toward we're well over the halfway point of the time we have here but i i don't want to let you go without asking what can the world do to help what when we want to see this happen you know if somebody's sitting on their couch just watching rocket launches what can they do to make this easier yeah i mean i definitely think that if you are looking towards like wanting to encourage the space program i think the first thing is just, you know, maybe like teaching someone else about what's going on. I definitely think the space program is fueled a lot by the public and like the public's interest in what's going on. You know, we saw that a lot with um, our missions to the moon. You know, everyone was excited about going to the moon. There was this huge hysteria over, um, you know, humans getting to the moon. And I think all of that is what actually led us to actually accomplishing that. And I think that over the past few years, that's kind of what we've been missing. You know, everyone being excited about the space industry, like on their edge of the seat, waiting to see what they were going to do next. And I think uh, with the mission to Mars, that is what's coming up and so I think the more people we can get excited about it and the more people we can get um, you know rooting for it encouraging of it um, is going to eventually be our push to get people to actually go to Mars and that's definitely coming about you know you see more space commercials space TV shows space movies whatever it might be we're talking about space more um, so I definitely think that those are our first steps in um, you know showing that we have the interest for it so we're going to go out and do it awesome so what do you want to say specifically to the kids out there yeah, I mean, to, um, I mean, any kid, whether it's wanting to become an astronaut or wanting to do something else, definitely um, find that goal, uh, find that dream, find, you know, some kind of support system, whether it's a parent, a friend, a teacher, or someone who can kind of help you and encourage you along the way and be very vocal about your dreams. You know, you never know where the opportunities are going to come from. So tell people about what you want to do and follow that dream and never give up on it. Very well said. Um, well, I'm starting to have some audio video problems here, and I want to let you go before those get too bad. But where can people follow your adventures on the Internet? Yeah, everyone can follow the stuff that I'm doing. Um, kind of everything's connected through my website, which is nasablueberry.com. But all the social, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, everything is under NASA Blueberry. Okay. Fantastic. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here. I, I'm glad to talk to you. This has been fantastic. I would love to talk to you again anytime. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great day. You too. I would like to thank Alyssa for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. Since this is a very science-oriented episode of the show, I would strongly encourage you as a community-building effort to reach out and send this episode to any science teachers you might know or any students who might have a strong interest in science. Even if they're not interested in my show in particular or if they're not into science fiction as a whole, this is something from the science fact realm and this is something they might really enjoy. As always, email me at bossigpodcast at yahoo.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget, you can find Hungry Trilobite on Realm of the Mist, as well as YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and most other podcasting services.